0: Daniel chapter 1, over the last couple weeks, we have talked about our need to be able to find the proper balance while we live in this world below without being a part of the world. And I guess the easiest way to sum it all up is to simply say we need to know how to pick our battles. Sometimes we can be guilty of making mountains out of molehills. We can take little issues and make them to be the test of someone's faith. And some end up dying on hills that God never commanded us to. We have these four Hebrew young men in Daniel chapter 1 who have been taken captive into Babylon. They are placed into a three-year indoctrination program. They're going to be taught the ways and the language of the Chaldeans. Their names will be changed and their diet will be changed. And it's interesting to watch as... They don't resist being taken captive. They don't resist having their God-honoring Hebrew names changed to pagan God-honoring names. But they do push back when it comes to what they will eat. They decide that that's the hill they're going to fight their battle upon. Long story short, the captivity was of God, so there was no need trying to resist that. It had been ordained of God And in fact, the prophets of God were essentially saying, just give yourself to it. When you get there, just live your life. Build houses, get married, have children. And so there was really no sense in them resisting that. They couldn't control what others called them. Amen? You can't control how people view you and what they call you. And they could control what they consumed. And so that's where they decide to fight. And here's the deal. They pick their battle according to God's Word. And that's the key when we talk about this issue. The Word of God had taught them not to eat anything unclean. And what they could do to honor God while in captivity, they decided they would do. And we must learn to choose our battles according to God's Word. There's too many issues people make out to be the test of a person's walk with God and the problem is some of those positions can't even be upheld in God's Word. They're usually built on assumptions which have morphed into doctrines. Well, I've said a lot over the last couple of weeks on this, so if you missed it, go back and listen. Amen. Um, I trust it will be a help and an encouragement to you. For tonight, let's read verses 8 through 16 as we pick back up where we left off. The Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, "...whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants." So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh, than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melsar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Mm. Amen. We see in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food and wine. And I inadvertently got settled into this verse, so that's where we're going to plant. I've mentioned before, some of the food would have been unclean according to God's law. All of the food and wine would have had ties to Babylonian idolatrous practices. They would sacrifice that to their gods. And therefore, partaking could be construed as embracing their idol worship. And in case anybody's wondering, Paul spoke about this kind of thing in the New Testament. He talked about food being offered to idols in a couple of his letters, you can find those in, in Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 10. But to summarize that briefly, because Christ has fulfilled the law, we are not held to the same dietary law that they were under the old covenant. So what Paul does is he emphasizes our need to have a clear conscience before God. And he talks about how we aren't to allow our liberty, our freedom to become a stumbling block to another brother or sister in the Lord. And he basically says, if for their conscience sake, they don't eat a certain way or they eat a certain way, just don't interfere with it. Let them have a clear conscience with God, is what he ends up saying. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 10.23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And so I try to teach people, if someone has a different standard than you, you don't have to be their Holy Spirit and try to convince them why your standard is better than theirs. I certainly don't feel we need to take it upon ourselves to try and talk someone down from a higher standard. To be clear, I'm talking about those areas where we do not have book, chapter, and verse to clearly light the way what you may have peace about, they may not have arrived at the same conclusion. And you may need to learn to let it go rather than becoming a stumbling block. And this goes in both directions. You don't have to be guilty of viewing someone with a higher standard as some religious zealot who's brainwashed. Nor do you have to be guilty of viewing someone with a lower standard that there's some kind of compromiser who's never going to get their act together. I like what Paul wrote in Romans 14, 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. And so you you may sense you have liberty in an area, another one doesn't, but you still need to exercise your liberty responsibly. Well, I just want to touch on that because Paul wrote about this sort of issue in those chapters. And this is what Daniel's facing. Should I eat this food that's been offered to idols? And it's unclean. However... What Paul wrote applies to being under the new covenant. These Hebrews and Daniel are under the old covenant. Therefore, they're under a different set of, uh, of, of laws here. They don't have the luxury of enjoying liberty in this area like we do. Amen. I like being able to eat a pig. I read one of these verses last week. Let me read just a couple more connected with it. Leviticus eleven forty five through 47. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of beast and of fowl and of every living creature that moveth in the waters and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. So we understand, we've already covered that there's a law aspect to all of this being under the old covenant. However, there's more to this than just what's clean and unclean and showing this difference of clean food and unclean food, but this diet situation here, this idea of what was good to eat and what wasn't, it it showed what deity you trusted in. It showed what God you believed in. And I think it's important we understand how significant this was to God. The children of Israel, they had provoked the Lord to anger in the wilderness, and they did so many times. But one of the times they had provoked them uh, to anger, Psalm 106.28 brings this indictment. It says, "...they joined themselves also unto Baal Peor." And I think you'll read that over in Numbers 25 if I remember correctly. But it goes on to say this, "...and ate the sacrifices of the dead." And so the food was tied in with the idol worship. It was showing what God they looked to for their blessings." Moses said in Deuteronomy 31, 29, For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke Him to anger through the works of your hands. And then in the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 32, God, He explains how good He had been to Israel and how He had blessed them. But then when you get to verse 15, it says, But Jeshuron waxed fat and kicked. Speaking of Israel, they they were blessed so much that they started to kick against God. It says, Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And all the verses in between uh, verse 15 and what I'm about to read is really worth your time. But verses 37 and 38 there in Deuteronomy 32 says, This is God, and He shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings, let them rise up and help you and be your protection. This is a big deal. And so this diet issue is also connected to who do we trust? And God says, you want to eat unclean and you want to eat stuff sacrificed to gods, then in the time of your trouble, you let those gods come and protect you. David would later pray in Psalm 141 verses 3 and 4, "...set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips, incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties." There's this connection throughout the Old Testament. In the house of Judah, they also had the prophecies against the house of Israel as, as they were about to be taken captive by the Assyrians, and they were warned about their connection with food and sacrifices uh, not honoring God. Hosea 9, verses 1 through 3, it says, Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people, for thou hast gone a-whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. The floor and the winepress shall not feed them. The new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land. But Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. God says you want a false god and you want to eat towards false gods, and fine. There you go. And so I hope you can see this issue about the diet. It's more than just, we want to show that we're holy. That we're better than thou. This is No, this is them saying, we want to show whose who's God is our God. We want to show who we trust in. Uh, this was about who they would honor, who they would trust, and who they would glorify as their God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's all that Daniel's trying to do here. He's trying to honor God with his body. Amen? He's trying to honor that which had been purchased by God. Honor God who had purchased him, I should say. Daniel, rightfully then, he purposes in his heart that he's not going to defile himself with any unclean pagan diet. And we see that Daniel purposed this in his heart i put it this way, Daniel was resolved. He had made a decision, and he was going to stand by that. Palmer Hartzell's hymn, I am resolved, begins, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. Daniel was not going to be charmed by the, the food of the king, of a pagan god, because Daniel had set his sights towards God. Daniel was resolute. Some people make New Year's resolutions, and it's clear after a week or two, their heart's just not in it. Daniel had purposed in his heart this was more than a passing good idea. This was not some quick temporal decision. But Daniel was established in his heart. He was steadfast, and he was unmovable. Daniel, listen, he was not dabbling in religion. He was not merely just doing what his parents had done. This was not a fad. But but this was his way of life. He was purposed that he would not enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews 11, 24-26, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And David could have enjoyed himself, but he decided not to enjoy the pleasures of sin. But he looked to God to be his reward. And if you want to have a life of purpose in God's sight, you're going to have to purpose some things in your heart. You'll need to make some unwavering resolutions. For some, it's time to stop experimenting with Christianity. It's time for some to be the same person they are in here while they are out there. It's time for some to get off the fence and make the Lord their way of life. As the gospel began to spread in the first century... The Bible says in Acts 11.21 that a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. And when the church in Jerusalem had heard about what was taking place, they sent Barnabas out. The Bible says they sent him as far as Antioch. And we read in Acts 11.23, Who when he came, when Barnabas came to Antioch, and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Barnabas' first discipleship topic for new believers was calling them to purpose in their heart that they would cleave to the Lord. That the Lord would be their way of life. That they would not come short. Amen. They would sell out for God. He said, I want you to join yourself to the Lord. And don't waver from that. And they did just that. Because just a few verses later, we'll read that they were first called Christians in Antioch. They had their act together, amen. The, the church in Antioch was not playing church. Come on now. Their daily life demonstrated that Christ was their life. They were not different people at church than they were outside of church. They had purpose to live for Christ in their heart, and it was evidenced by all those around them so much, they called them Christians. Have you sold out for Christ yet? Or are you still just dabbling with Christianity? Are you living a life with purpose in God's sight? If not, what are you waiting for? A missionary penned these words after some converts were killed for their faith. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still will I follow. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. What's your decision? Daniel made his decision. They may have changed Daniel's name, but they could not change Daniel's heart. Where's your heart at? And so Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Matthew Henry observed this. The great thing that Daniel avoided was defiling himself with the pollutions of sin. That is the thing we should be more afraid of than of any outward trouble. James wrote in James 1.27 that, "...pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To keep from being defiled by this world." We have to learn to die to ourselves. This is what Daniel is doing. Daniel is bringing his body into subjection. 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That phrase that Paul uses, I keep under my body, it's a fighting term. And it means to buff it, it means to box, to hit, more literally to beat up. In other words, we're to bring our body into subjection. We're to bring it into submission by punishing it, if you will, beating it into submission. Are you with me? That's what it means. In other words, this is living a disciplined life. It's the ability to say no. No. Romans 6.16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Paul wrote, We have to mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And what that means, it means to deaden yourself, to subdue your body to die. Colossians 3.3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Romans 6.2, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You've probably heard the term the crucified life. This is something we find ourselves constantly working at while we are robed in this flesh. At least I find myself constantly working at it. The Apostle Paul had to say this, I die daily. It's a conscientious decision which is always before us to choose to please God more than our flesh. Galatians 6:14 But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Galatians 2:20 I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Galatians 5, 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Romans 6, 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Hey, we have a decision to make. That's what it comes down to. We have a decision whether we're going to live for God or for self. It's our choice to make. It's all part of the process of sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-4 Furthermore then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so ye would abound more and more for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. There is a part of that it comes to you, right? That you ought to know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. People want the magic bullet. The silver bullet, whatever it is. They they, they want the magic formula where everything's just going to work out. No, no, no. You have to be disciplined. You have to make a decision. You have to know how to possess your vessel. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and to some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. What kind of vessel do you want to be tonight? Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used for the Master's use? then you have a decision to make. Are you going to bring your body into subjection? And whatever you choose to do, it's going to be according to how you purposed it in your heart. You make time for the things you want to do. I just want to encourage you tonight, give yourself wholly to God. I'm not suggesting you won't ever stumble along the way. I'm not suggesting you're going to live a sinlessly perfect life. But I am saying you can make a choice to sell out for God by purposing in your heart that you will not defile yourself. You see, you already possess the discipline to live a disciplined Christian life. You already have that ability because you're getting up on time to make it to work on time. Right? Right. Right? That's important to you. All you got to do is take those and apply them towards your walk with God. You already have enough enough discipline that you're not being fired from your job because you're working hard enough. Amen. You're probably disciplined enough that you take care of your hygienic needs. (laughs) I'm assuming you shower and stuff. Amen. You have the discipline. You're here on Wednesday night. Amen. And so the discipline you have, you now have to take another step and apply that to your obedience to God. The victorious Christian life, as they say, it is a life of discipline and daily decisions. It is your choice. It is a life of submission to God. Now, it is not a grievous life. It is not a burdensome life. But it is a life of joy and peace. Of liberty and freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've ever walked in that freedom, and if you've ever walked in the world, you know the difference. You know the peace you can have, and you know the peace that you may not have. James 4 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. What an interesting statement. James saying, you need to clean your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so you have to make the choice to submit. You have to make the choice to resist the devil. You have to make the decision to cleanse your hands and purify your heart. And as you do your part, God will do His part. And I just believe that Daniel was able to put his head down at night and have a clear conscience with God. While in captivity, while with his name changed, he was able to have peace with God because of the decisions he made. Do you have a clear conscience with God? I've always said there's, no, there's nothing better. Somebody said, keep short accounts with God. You mess up, you confess it. You get it under the blood, you move on. But do you have a clear conscience? For Daniel, it all started when he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Is there anything that you need to purpose in your heart? Is there anything you need to talk to God about? You have the discipline. Just apply it in the right direction. Let's pray.